Chapters 26 through 50 of Sonnets of William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sam Stinson. Chapter 26 Lord of my love, to whom in vassalage thy merit hath my duty strongly knit, to thee I send this written embassage, to witness duty, not to show my wit. Duty so great, which wit so poor as mine may make seem bare, and wanting words to show it. But that I hope some good conceit of thine in thy soul's thought, all naked, will bestow it. Till whatsoever star that guides my moving, points on me graciously with fair aspect, and puts apparel on my tattered loving, to show me worthy of thy sweet respect. Then may I dare to boast how I do love thee, till then not show my head where thou mayest prove me. End of chapter 26 Chapter 27 Weary with toil, I haste me to my bed, the dear respose for limbs with travel tired, but then begins a journey in my head to work my mind when body's work's expired. For then my thoughts from far where I abide intend a zealous pilgrimage to thee, and keep my drooping eyelids open wide, looking on darkness which the blind do see, save that my soul's imaginary sight presents thy shadow to my sightless view, which like a jewel hung in ghastly night makes black night beauteous and her old face new. Lo, thus by day my limbs, by night my mind, for thee and for myself no quiet find. End of chapter 27 Chapter 28 how can I then return in happy plight that am debarred the benefit of rest, when day's oppression is not eased by night, but day by night and night by day oppressed, and each, though enemies to either's reign, do in consent shake hands to torture me, the one by toil, the other to complain how far I toil, still farther off from thee. I tell the day to please him, thou art bright, and dost him grace when clouds do blot the heaven. So flatter I the swart-complexioned night, When sparkling stars twire not thou guilt'st the even. But day doth daily draw my sorrows longer, And night doth nightly make grief's length seem stronger. End of chapter 28 Chapter 29 When in disgrace with fortune and men's eyes, I all alone beweep my outcast state, and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries, and look upon myself, and curse my fate, wishing me like to one more rich in hope, featured like him, like him with friends possessed, desiring this man's art and that man's scope, with what I most enjoyed contented least. Yet in these thoughts myself almost despising, happily I think on thee, and then my state, like to the lark at break of day arising from sullen earth, sings hymns at heaven's gate. For thy sweet love remembered such wealth brings, that then I scorn to change my state with kings. End of chapter 29 Chapter 30 When to the sessions of sweet silent thought I summon up remembrance of things past, I sigh the lack of many a thing I sought and with old woes new wail my dear time's waste, then can I drown an eye, 
unused to flow, for precious friends hid in death's dateless night, and weep afresh love's long since cancelled woe, and moan the expense of many a vanished sight. Then can I grieve at grievances foregone, and heavenly from woe to woe tell o'er the sad account of four bemoaned moan, which I knew pay as if not paid before. But if the while I think on thee, dear friend, all losses are restored in sorrow's end. End of chapter 30 Chapter 31 Thy bosom is endeared with all hearts, Which I by lacking have supposed dead, And there reigns love, and all love's loving parts, And all those friends which I thought buried. How many a holy and obsequious tear Hath dear religious love stolen from mine eye, As interest of the dead which now appear, But things removed that hidden in thee lie. Thou art the grave where buried love doth live, Hung with the trophies of my lovers gone, Who all their parts of me to thee did give, That do of many now is thine alone. Their images I loved, I view in thee, And thou, all they, hast all the all of me. End of chapter 31 Chapter 32 If thou survive my well-contented day, when that churl death my bones with dust shall cover, And shalt by fortune once more resurvey These poor rude lines of thy deceased lover. Compare them with the bettering of the time, And though they be outstripped by every pen, Reserve them for my love, not for their rhyme, Exceeded by the height of happier men. O oh, then vouchsafe me but this loving thought, Had my friend's muse grown with this growing age, a dearer birth than this his love had brought to march in ranks of better equipage. But since he died and poets better prove, theirs for their style, I'll read. His for his love. End of chapter 32. Chapter 33. Full many a glorious morning have I seen. Flatter the mountain tops with sovereign eye. Kissing with golden face the meadows green, Gilding pale streams with heavenly alchemy. Anon permit the basest clouds to ride With ugly rack on his celestial face, And from the forlorn world his visage hide, Stealing unseen to west with this disgrace. Even so my sun one early morn did shine, With all triumphant splendor on my brow. But out, alack, he was but one hour mine, the region cloud hath masked him from me now. Yet him for this, my love no whit disdaineth. Sons of the world may stain when heaven's sun staineth. End of chapter 33. Chapter 34. Why didst thou promise such a beauteous day, and make me travel forth without my cloak, to let base clouds o'ertake me in my way, hiding thy bravery in their rotten smoke? Tis not enough that through the cloud thou break To dry the rain on my storm-beaten face, For no man well of such a salve can speak That heals the wound and cures not the disgrace. Nor can thy shame give physic to my grief. Though thou repent, yet I have still the loss. The fender sorrow lends but weak relief To him that bears the strong offense's cross. Ah, but those 
tears are pearl which thy love sheds, and they are rich, and ransom all ill deeds. End of chapter 34 Chapter 35 No more be grieved at that which thou hast done. Roses have thorns, and silver fountains mud. Clouds and eclipses stain both moon and sun, and loathsome canker lives in sweetest bud. All men make faults, and even I in this, authorizing thy trespass with compare, myself corrupting salving thy amiss, excusing thy sins more than thy sins are. For to thy sensual fault I bring incense, thy adverse party is thy advocate, and against myself a lawful plea commence, such civil war is in my love and hate, that I an accessory needs must be, to that sweet thief which sourly robs from me. End of chapter 35 Chapter 36 Let me confess that we two must be twain, although our undivided loves are one, so shall those blots that do with me remain, without thy help, by me be borne alone. In our two loves there is but one respect, though in our lives a separable spite, which though it alter not love's sole effect, yet doth it steal sweet hours from love's delight. I may not ever more acknowledge thee, lest my bewailed guilt should do thee shame, nor thou with public kindness honour me, unless thou take that honour from thy name. But do not so, I love thee in such sort, as thou being mine, mine is thy good report. End of chapter 36 Chapter 37 As a decrepit father takes delight to see his active child do deeds of youth, so I, made lame by fortune's dearest spite, take all my comfort of thy worth and truth. For whether beauty, birth, or wealth, or wit, or any of these all, or all, or more entitled in thy parts, do crowned sit, I make my loving grafted to this store, so then I am not lame, poor, nor despised, whilst that this shadow doth such substance give, that I in thy abundance am sufficed, and by a part of all thy glory live. Look what is best, that best I wish in thee, this wish I have, then ten times happy me. End of chapter 37 Chapter 38 How can my muse want subject to invent, while thou dost breathe that pour'st into my verse, thine own sweet argument too excellent for every vulgar paper to rehearse? O give thyself the thanks if aught in me, worthy perusal stand against thy sight. For who's so dumb that cannot write to thee, when thou thyself dost give invention light? Be thou the tenth muse, ten times more in worth than those old nine which rhymers invocate, and he that calls on thee, let him bring forth eternal numbers to outlive long date. If my slight muse do please these curious days, the pain be mine, but thine shall be the praise. End of chapter 38 Chapter 39 O oh, how thy worth with manners may I sing, when thou art all the better part of me. What can mine own praise to mine own self bring? And what is't but mine own when I praise thee? Even for this, let us divided live, 
and our dear love lose name of single one that by this separation i may give that due to thee which thou deserv'st alone o absence what a torment wouldst thou prove were it not thy sour leisure gave sweet leave to entertain the time with thoughts of love which time and thought so sweetly doth deceive and that thou teachest how to make one twain by praising him here who doth hence remain end of chapter thirty nine chapter forty take all my loves my love yea take them all what hast thou then more than thou hadst before no love my love that thou mayest true love call all mine was thine before thou hadst this more then if for my love thou my love receivest i cannot blame thee for my love thou usest but yet be blamed if thou thyself deceivest by wilful taste of what thyself refusest i do forgive thy robbery gentle thief although thou steal thee all my poverty and yet love knows it is a greater grief to bear love's wrong than hate's known injury lascivious grace in whom all ill well shows kill me with spites yet we must not be foes end of chapter forty chapter forty one those pretty wrongs that liberty commits when i am sometime absent from thy heart thy beauty and thy years full well befits for still temptation follows where thou art gentle thou art and therefore to be one beauteous thou art therefore to be assailed and when a woman woos what woman's son will sourly leave her till he have prevailed ay me but yet thou mightst my seat forbear and chide thy beauty and thy straying youth who lead thee in their riot even there where thou art forced to break a twofold truth hers by thy beauty tempting her to thee thine by thy beauty being false to me end of chapter forty one chapter forty two that thou hast her it is not all my grief and yet it may be said i loved her dearly that she hath thee is of my wailing chief a loss in love that touches me more nearly loving offenders thus i will excuse ye thou dost love her because thou knowest i love her and for my sake even so doth she abuse me suffering my friend for my sake to approve her if i lose thee my loss is my love's gain and losing her my friend hath found that loss both find each other and i lose both twain and both for my sake lay on me this cross but here's the joy my friend and i are one sweet flattery then she loves but me alone end of chapter forty two chapter forty three when most i wink then do mine eyes best see for all the day they view things unrespected but when i sleep in dreams they look on thee and darkly bright are bright and dark directed then thou whose shadow shadows doth make bright how would thy shadows form form happy show to the clear day with thy much clearer light when to unseeing eyes thy shade shines so how would i say mine eyes be blessed made by looking on thee in the living day when in dead night thy fair and perfect shade through heavy sleep unsightless eyes doth stay all days are nights 
to see till I see thee, and night's bright days when dreams do show thee me. End of chapter 43. Chapter 44. If the dull substance of my flesh were thought, injurious distance should not stop my way. For then, despite of space, I would be brought from limits far remote, where thou dost stay. No matter then, although my foot did stand upon the farthest earth removed from thee, for nimble thought can jump both sea and land, as soon as think the place where he would be. But ah, thought kills me that I am not thought, to leap large lengths of miles when thou art gone. But that so much of earth and water wrought, I must attend, time's leisure with my moan, receiving naught by elements so slow, but heavy tears, badges of either's woe. End of chapter 44. Chapter 45. The other two, slight air and purging fire, are both with thee, wherever I abide. The first my thought, the other my desire. These present absent with swift motion slide, For when these quicker elements are gone, In tender embassy of love to thee, My life being made of four, with two alone, Sinks down to death, oppressed with melancholy, Until life's composition be recured By those swift messengers returned from thee, Who even but now come back again assured Of thy fair health, recounting it to me. This told, I joy, but then no longer glad. I send them back again, and straight grow sad. End of chapter 45. Chapter 46. Mine eye and heart are at a mortal war. How to divide the conquest of thy sight? Mine eye, my heart, thy picture's sight would bar. My heart, mine eye, the freedom of that right. My heart doth plead that thou in him dost lie, A closet never pierced with crystal eyes. But the defendant doth that plea deny, And says in him thy fair appearance lies. Decide this title is impaneled, A quest of thoughts. All tenets to the heart, And by their verdict is determined The clear eye's moiety, And the dear heart's part. As thus mine eyes do, is thy outward part, and my heart's right, thy inward love of heart. End of chapter 46. Chapter 47. Betwixt mine eye and heart a league is took, and each doth good turns now unto the other, when that mine eye is famished for a look, or heart in love with sighs himself doth smother. With my love's picture then my eye doth feast, and to the painted banquet bids my heart. Another time mine eye is my heart's guest, And in his thoughts of love doth share a part. So either by thy picture or my love, Thyself away art present still with me. For thou not farther than my thoughts canst move, And I am still with them, and they with thee. Or if they sleep, thy picture in my sight Awakes my heart to heart's and eyes delight. End of chapter 47. Chapter 48. How careful was I when I took my way, each trifle under truest bars to thrust, that to my use it might unused stay from hands of falsehood and sure wards of trust. But thou, to whom my jewels trifles are, most worthy comfort, now my greatest grief, 
thou best of dearest and mine only care art left the prey of every vulgar thief thee have i not locked up in any chest save where thou art not though i feel thou art within the gentle closure of my breast from whence at pleasure thou mayst come in part and even thence thou wilt be stolen i fear for truth proves thievish for a prize so dear end of chapter forty eight chapter forty nine against that time if ever that time come when i shall see thee frown on my defects when as thy love hath cast his utmost sum call to that audit by advised respects against that time when thou shalt strangely pass and scarcely greet me with that sun thine eye when love converted from the thing it was shall reasons find of settled gravity against that time do i ensconce me here within the knowledge of my own desert and this my hand against myself uprear to guard the lawful reasons on thy part to leave poor me thou hast the strength of laws since why to love i can allege no cause end of chapter forty nine chapter fifty how heavy do i journey on the way when what I seek my weary travel's end doth teach that ease, and that repose to say, Thus far the miles are measured from thy friend. The beast that bears me, tired with my woe, plods dully on, to bear that weight in me. As if by some instinct the wretch did know his rider loved not speed being made from thee. The bloody spur cannot provoke him on, that sometimes anger thrusts into his hide which heavily he answers with a groan more sharp to me than spurring to his side for that same groan doth put this in my mind my grief lies onward and my joy behind end of chapter fifty